Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D., and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. All right. On today's episode, I'm very glad and grateful to have uh, Nathan Tanner, uh, an HR director at DoorDash, also an author of a book called Not Your Parents' Workplace. And I'm going to have him talk about that. But Nathan is also a proud alum of BYU's MBA program, uh, the Mar- um, um, Marriott. And I am really excited to have Nathan on today. Uh, so as some context, I met Nathan for the first time in person a couple of weeks ago, but I've interacted and engaged with him over the past four or five years. Uh, and um, Nathan is someone who knows a ton about careers. And I always love chatting with him about it. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today, particularly within the context of MBAs and career planning and career development and what that particularly means. And so um, I'm excited to have Nathan here today. So um, Nathan, thank you so much um, uh, for joining. I guess just to start off, and I always like to start off with a fun uh, kind of icebreaker question. I know you're a big sports fan. Um, so who is your spirit athlete? I got to know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Al. Excited to excited to be here. It's fun meeting in person uh, for the first time. It's funny when that happens when we ex- uh, had so many interactions before. Uh, so. Um, Let's see. Spirit athlete. I, I would like to say Kobe Bryant. Um, I'm a huge Kobe fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, super, super distraught by his, his passing. I grew up in uh, Southern California was uh, I think I was in middle school when he entered the NBA. And so just followed his entire career. And what I love about Kobe is like the, the relentlessness, the fierce courage that he always had and the willingness to like take big risks. And if they failed, like just live, live with the outcome. Um, and so I actually, I don't know if you can see this, but I keep like a Kobe jersey. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. on, on the back of my chair. But if, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm probably like less Kobe and more like Clay Thompson, also a big dubs fan. Yeah. Uh, more Lakers than dubs if I'm being totally honest, but like Fair. Clay is someone who just like, shows up low maintenance uh like puts in the work doesn't need doesn't need like all of the all of the glory at least that's who i it's weird comparing yourself to like kobe and clay who are, are superstars at a whole nother level but uh if i had to pick someone who i would would like to be like like it's, it's pro- probably more more clay that i think that's a great one and into all the things that you mentioned he's just smooth man like he just the way he carries himself he's just always so smooth. Um, one of my favorite clay stories is, I don't know if you saw that video of, I think he was in New York maybe. And the, the news channel like, uh, was like, saw him passing by, but didn't recognize him at first that like it was clay Thompson. And so they just thought he was a regular like passerby. And so they, they started interviewing him about like some of the construction and the scaffolding. And he's just like going on about it as if he's just like a normal just like person, but and yeah. I don't think it registered to the reporter that it was, you know, Clay Thompson, the NBA all-star. Uh, but 
no clay's i love the i love the clay one um so a smooth. lot of good clay stories out there yeah so. yeah for sure well uh, i could talk about clay all day but this podcast is about careers <laughs> in business school so we're, we'll shift swift gear switch gears maybe we'll jump back to clay but um i guess you know, to start, and um, uh, Nathan was kind enough to have his shorts shared in MBA Insider of the book, and I would love for him to talk a little bit about that today. But I guess, you know, thinking back, and um, now that you've been out of business school for, I think, almost five years, maybe, give or take, um, what what was, like, the most important lesson that you learned when you were in business school? Particularly now, you probably had a chance to kind of reflect a little bit. You know, what what, what was the most important thing that, or most important lesson you took with you coming out of it? Yeah, there there are a lot of lessons that I drew from from business school, but I think one of the well, one of the things I loved about business school, and I don't I think I realized this when I was getting into it. Like, of course, you think of the like network you're going to build, classes you're going to have, career options, kind of all of those things. But for me, one of the things I loved was the space that I had to try out new things, to explore, to just better understand who I was as a, as, as a person. There's a lot of time for, uh, for self-exploration. Um, I think along the way, learning that like, we can really accomplish anything that we want to. And there's like, once you realize that um, and realize that like the rules that we have in society, I think there's like a good Steve Jobs quote or video about this, but like the rules that society has, um, like, people, people have made those rules. Many of those rules are manufactured and like you can really accomplish what you want to both in, in business school and getting what you want out of an MBA program as well as the rest of your life. And so that was a, that was a, a really key lesson that, uh, that I took from it. I, th- I think that's a great lesson. And one of the things that you said there that I think really dovetails nicely into the lesson that you mentioned in terms of you can really just accomplish what you want to given all this time and space that you have is yeah. unlike a lot of other people in business school, you decided to write a book. <laughs> um, right. And you know, there's a lot of things you can do in business school, right? Like you can <laughs> study abroad. Um, you can work on a consulting project. You can, um, you know, write a case with a professor, but you chose to write a book. And I think that was, I think that's fantastic. And, um, but I'm curious what you know sparked that interest in deciding of all the things that you could spend your time on in business school that that was the thing you wanted to do and um i guess just generally speaking you know could you also just talk a little bit about what the book is about and and why you chose to write it yeah yeah absolutely um so kind of how the, how the idea came about my brother-in-law had written a book uh many years back and i just thought it was the coolest thing that like you could write a book. Like who, who, who are you to write a book? Who am I to write a book? Like, I just thought it was really cool to have that uh, idea and to, and to do something. So it was, it was a, something I always wanted to do. It didn't really, the idea didn't really get serious until I was uh, maybe a couple months into my second year. And I had an entrepreneurship class. And in the class, one of the requirements was to start a business And I thought about, I went through like all of these business ideas and I just felt like all of them were kind of dumb. And like, I've never thought of myself as being particularly entrepreneurial. And in the, in the process of this, I had like this idea of like, you know, I want to write a, a book that would be really cool. And so I started pitching 
my professor on it, like, hey, rather than doing a business, like, what if I write a book and that can be my 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 business? And I think he thought it was probably one of the dumber ideas that he had heard for uh, uh, for, for requirements for the class. But he was cool enough to let me do it. So shout out uh, Tom Peterson. Thank you very much. Uh, I I don't think I would have have done it. Uh, and by the end, because by the end of the that semester, I'd finished I think three chapters and had like a really strong outline of of the direction that I was going. Um, the the second piece around it was I was spending a lot of time as a second year MBA student mentoring others and helping people to find helping first years find internships. And in the process of doing that, as well as working with with undergrads, and I was doing a lot of uh, LinkedIn um, work at the at the time, uh, as I had had an offer to join full time, and I was uh, also working part time for LinkedIn, spending a lot of time with these students. And as an undergrad, as I was looking for jobs, I always felt totally clueless. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I'm kind of like making this up as I go along, and realizing as working with MBA students, undergrads, almost everybody felt that way. And so I had all of these experiences, many of them which were major setbacks, uh, some of them successes, but like most of them stumblings. And I thought maybe there's an opportunity for me to write this book and share these stories and do it from the perspective of a young professional or someone who was in their shoes not that long ago. Because many of the, the career books you read are from people who are much later in career. And Richard Branson gives you advice and it's like, okay, cool, that's that's like amazing, but you're a, a billionaire or, or or something like that. And it's it's really tough to, you know, if you're 19, 20, 21 years old to compare yourself to that. So I thought, you know, there's there's an opportunity here to write it from uh, from that perspective. And uh, so anyway, that was that was kind of it. I guess a, a third thing is like as a second year student, there was this desire to like really do something impactful. And the the, the classes I were in were like really interesting, but I'm like, I have this special time. What do I want to do with it? And there was an element of boredom. And for me, I found when I when I start getting bored, that's where like creativity can come from. And I think we tend to try to fight boredom a lot, but like just letting myself be bored and like spitball ideas. Uh, this was one that, 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 that came about. Um, so I think that covers, I think that covers that. I guess the second piece was a little bit more about the the book. Yeah. And I guess maybe I'll stop you there and give you a chance to catch your breath. Yeah. And because there's a couple things there that you said that I think are, I think are really great. And I think are really spot on. Number one, I do think that, having the space to be creative sometimes means you need to have a quiet mind, right? To be able to think. And so I do think that boredom can sometimes create conditions for you um, to have that spark of creativity. So I think that piece of it is great, but I also really liked what you said and I can relate to it in terms of you tend to have uh, particularly in, I think in your case where you had your job offer lined up, um, you have some time in your second year in particular um, to do things and whether you decide to play golf or go like work out a lot or write a book or in my case, start a blog. I mean, that's up to you on how you want to spend it. But, you know, I think what for me at least, and I think I heard a little bit of this in what you were saying is because business school is such a unique time 
Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I played my fair share of rounds of golf when I was in school, but I know at least for me, I wanted to take advantage of having that unique space and time because I wasn't sure if I would, you know, when I was going to be able to get that again, if I was going to be able to ever like get that again. So that was definitely one reason why I, um, I used my second year to start MBA schools and, and it sounds like, you know, there's some, Mm -hmm. some similarities there in terms of, you know, having that time and wanting to use it in a, I want, I don't want to say a productive way, but in a, in a way that you're making the most of it, knowing that it, it is, you know, time is one of the most scarcest resources that we have as, as humans. Um, and mm-hmm. I think the second thing that you said that really stuck out is, um, as yes, uh, I, I love reading what, what Richard Branson is thinking and also acknowledging that like, it probably doesn't apply to me cause I'm not a, uh, I'm not a billionaire <laughs> and, or yet yeah, I should say. But yes, um, not yet. Yes, now. Yeah. yes, but uh, but I know I I and having read your book, I do really appreciate the fact that it is a lot of the things that you just said in terms of people feeling lost and people feeling overwhelmed by a career search and um, you know having some stumblings, but certainly also having some successes and just sometimes just needing some guidance to make sense of all that. I think that was something that um, resonated in your book that. Um, I think that you just mentioned, but that was what I really um, liked about it. And I just teed it up nicely for you to go, to go a little bit deeper into, um, you know, uh, what, the, what your book is about and kind of like um, some of the, some of the things that, that you wrote about in it or, or some of the key highlights from it. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I guess kind of the, 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 the premise as the title states, not your parents' workplace is the, the world of work has changed dramatically over the last several decades. Um, my, my dad um, had two jobs his entire career, and his, his dad had one job his entire career. And within a year of graduating from college, I had three. Um, and, you know, that was, never the, that was never the plan, but I had to, I had to, to, to pivot. Um, and part of that is, I mean, I, I graduated in 2008, Uh, I joined Lehman Brothers, which uh, when I signed my offer in 2007 looked like uh, an incredible decision in 2008, maybe, maybe less so. But within a couple months of of graduating college, Lehman Brothers imploded and it triggered this worldwide uh, financial meltdown. There was a recession and, you know, I ultimately lost my job and then, you know, took a job in a completely different industry, one that, I never thought that I would, would be in. Um, so I, I share those stories uh, in the book. And then most importantly, the, the lessons that I learned from it. So there's a little bit of, of, of narrative. There's a story that is, is told throughout the book. Um, but then more importantly, like the lessons that are, are applicable to, to everybody. And so I, I hope that it's, I mean, I think especially in the environment that we're in, right now with COVID-19, with many companies laying people off, with people in college figuring out, okay, the the job that I have lined up, do I I still have it? Or, um, you know, did the company renege on my offer? Like, we're kind of back in that environment or heading in that direction for sure. And the need, there's, there's a real need to be proactive, to kind of take the reins of your career and take charge of your career in a way that that my dad and his dad and our parents 
maybe didn't have to. Like you, you, you took a job and you got on the, the escalator and you kind of waited till your next promotion. And then 30 years in, you know, you get like your, uh, you know, special uh, watch or whatever it is. And then ultimately like you walk away with a nice retirement package. Like that's, that's gone. That world, that world is completely gone. And, and so like, the need to be, and I talk about this a lot in the book, but like the need to adapt, the need to change uh, is especially critical for, for this time period. Yeah. And just to follow up on that, uh, as you mentioned, you, you graduated during a pretty challenging economic time. And that it sounds like that first year out of school, out of undergrad was pretty, pretty tumultuous. Could you talk a little bit about that? And, you know, specifically, you know, I, I don't imagine it was a fun or enjoyable experience, but like, what was, what was that like just given everything going on right now? Cause um, while the, I mean, the parallels are, it's not entirely similar. I mean, I think from a historical standpoint, I think, you know, that part of uh, time in the world is probably most comparable to what's happening right now in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I graduated in, in April, 2008, started at uh, Lehman, after training, I was in training in New York and then joined Lehman like uh, early August, I think it was when like I like actually started the, the job post training. Month later, Lehman is, uh, you know, goes bankrupt. At first, kind of pre-bankruptcy, it was just really fascinating. And like every day there's like a new, you're on the, Lehman's on the cover of, uh, you know, front page of the Wall Street Journal. Bear Stearns had already gone under at this point. And so it's actually like, kind of scary, but also really, really fascinating. Like, you know, you're living through a historic period. Uh, Then Lehman goes under and then it's completely frightening because we're all out of jobs. And then a couple of days later, Barclays Capital comes in and, you know, acquires the U.S. operations. So it's like, okay, well now we have jobs. There's kind of this, like, you're getting yanked back and forth. But then even after the Barclays acquisition, like, we're still in a brutal, brutal period. Uh, and, you know, if you look at like the market and what's, what's, what's happening then. And so there's, there's real fear. And I was a part of a really, really large analyst class as Lehman was super bullish going into to that year and really, really aggressive. And then um, ultimately, and there's not like a lot of banking work too. People aren't doing deals. So you're kind of sitting around watching the news a lot. Uh, and then in January, like mid January of 09, um, I remember like managing director comes by, taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, sorry, times are tough. Like, you know, we, 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 you, you need to, you need to go. And then at that point it, it becomes, it becomes real. And like, I, it was kind of funny period and maybe this is too much detail, but like I had only had one cell phone at the time. It was like a Blackberry and this is back when people had Blackberries. Uh, but that was my only phone. And so like I handed it over and like, I had no phone at all. Um, so anyway, then there was a, I was out of work for like four months and it was, uh, that part was incredibly difficult. I think I was confident, probably a little overconfident that like, Oh, like I'll, I'll find something. But, um, uh, it was a, it was a very humbling period. It was a, a difficult period. And it was a period that has forever changed my life. And I think it taught me, the value of having a job to like not take things for granted, the need to, the need to like hustle, the need to be prepared. I think I had over, I forget how many companies I interviewed with, but I had over like a hundred interviews 
during that four month period. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm going after like everything at that point, like everything's on the table. Like if you will give me money, like I'm interviewing for the, for the job. And so it was a, it was not a, it was not a fun period. Um, but a lot of, a lot of like really good lessons that, that came from that. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I think that message is really important to hear because, and while I like always like to say this, I'm not an economist. It does look like tough times are ahead. And while when you go through tough times, I think it is really hard sometimes to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, fast forward to today and where you are and, you know, you've done all right, man. Uh, so, you know, like, uh, and, but when you're going through it, it, it can be hard to, to feel like it's going to be all right. But to your point, I think your ability to hustle and to pivot and to be adaptable, I think those are all things that have served you well and have helped to get to where you are. But I also think that was something that you said there that I think is, is really important and something that I don't take for granted as well is just the, um, the humility and dignity that comes from having a job and a, and a job that you, that you, that you enjoy and that you like, and that you can come to every day because, um, while I've never necessarily had to experience it, it sounds like, you know, when you went through that and going through that experience where you didn't have it, you could feel that. And, and that, 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 um, I presume like knowing how much you care about your job and your career, like I'm I'm assuming that was definitely like a challenging, you know, experience to not have something where you, you know, you got so much of your identity or like your meaning or, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the identity, the identity. And, and this is what I've, I've tried. To, it's, it's really hard. I've tried to separate the two, but your, your identity gets so tied to the work yeah. that, you, that you do. And then when like, that's, that's gone. Um, it's tough. I mean, like there's, there's days where I would like apply for whatever jobs were available. And then it's like, okay, well, there's, I don't know if there's much to do. Like I might as well like, crawl back into bed and pull the covers over my head and like mm-hmm. kind of why, why get out of, why get out of bed? Uh, and it's, I mean, if, if you're experiencing this, this right now, it's, it's real. Uh, and I think you just need to like, keep going. Like things, things, things will eventually get better. Um, and like maintaining activity, maintaining a schedule, uh, taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, like all those things become really, really important. Yeah, no. And, um, uh, one of the things that I've been reading a lot about lately and because I'm trying to practice it myself is this, the concept of resilience. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of research that shows that, uh, resilience is not fixed. It can be gained and it can be learned. And when they think about resilience, the kind of the model they have is there's these three P's. The first P is around personalization. And that's all about, um, not everything that happens to us is as a result of us. And so it's not your fault, right? Like just because mm-hmm. something happens doesn't mean that you are responsible for it uh, and you shouldn't take that personally. The second P is around pervasiveness in that while it may happen to you, it doesn't necessarily have to consume all of you. You can still do other things in your life like work out and take care of yourself or enjoy other moments that you do have that are you know, great and meaningful. Um, and then the last piece of it is um, pervasiveness. And this is the whole idea to what you were saying of this too shall pass. Um, maybe not immediately, maybe not in the short term, but at some point, you know, it will. And by kind of keeping that construct in your head, like that can be the thing to help you kind of keep going through and stay resilient through these times. And 
you know, ultimately by doing that, that helps you build resilience so that when you do face another really challenging time, um, you have more, you have more strength to, to navigate, to navigate through it. Right. Um, and so, you know, in your case, you know, so you, you navigated through it and like you said, you had a couple different jobs and, you know, even since then it, you know, you've, you've been someone who's changed careers a, a few times and I'm curious what, um, as a result of changing careers a few times, but also as a result of getting your MBA, you know, what did that experience, you know, give you to help you think about your own career progression and your own career development? Yeah. 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 Good, good question. So I, uh, working, working in finance and coming out of investment banking, I think I always, you think of like the, the, there's, there's career options that come from that, that many people go into. And there's the, venture capital route, there's the private equity route. And I thought, oh, I would go and do that. And, and when I got to that point, unfortunately, like uh, many of those options just didn't look like the right move. And I didn't know what the right move was going to be. And so it took a lot of self-exploration. I made the decision to go get an MBA. Um, and then as a part of that, as I was preparing for the MBA, thought through, okay, what do I, what do I really want to get out of, out of that? And ultimately made a very drastic career change from finance to HR, uh, which I won't get into, but anyone watching happy to, to, to chat more about that. Um, I found first and foremost, the MBA program for me, an incredible branding opportunity. And it may sound, it may sound weird, but like, one of the coolest things. So I'd, I'd spent, you know, five plus years in finance pre-MBA and enter the MBA program. And within a month, I had an internship offer uh, to, you know, with a, with a great company, um, you know, to do HR for them. At this point, I have taken, I'm enrolled in one HR class and I'm a month into the semester. So like I'm 25% into like one HR class. So I know next to nothing about HR, but I already have like this incredible HR job lined up. And so I think like there's no way I would have been able to make such an extreme pivot without uh, the branding that comes from an MBA program and, and being a career switcher. And so I think that's that's a really, really big one. Um, the second one or some of like the really key relationships that I built uh, both for my my classmates, I met a lot of incredible people, um, people who I stay very much in touch with, and we you know challenge each other, push each other, hold each other accountable for uh, for goals, as well as with with professors uh, and various other professionals, and that's that's a really big one that has helped in my career development. And then uh, many of the courses also were were really really valuable. Um, one in particular comes to mind around. Uh, strategic decision making and how to evaluate decisions. Uh, many of the HR courses I had that, that taught me the fundamentals of HR and recruiting and, and talent development and, and things like that. And so um, it's like it was a getting an MBA for me was a was it was a game changer. I got got so much out of the experience. Yeah. No. Thank you. And. As you think about, um, you know, as you think about, you know, being able to change your career, uh, moving from uh, finance to HR, and then after graduating, 
you know, you graduate and you start your job and you kind of enter this period of what I like to call like life after business school. And so I, I actually really love talking about this topic because rightfully so, um, MBA schools, uh, they focus a lot in terms of the experience, in terms of making sure that you learn and that you get the right job that you want. And there's so much focus on making sure you do those things, but then you walk across that stage and you get that diploma and then it's like, see you later. Um, but I would love to know like what, you know, what you, so you graduate and you start work and you're working in those first couple of months. Like what, um, what was that like? You know, what, um, based off what you thought, like what came true and maybe like, I don't want to say like what was a lie, but like what maybe was different than what you had either envisioned or what like was the bill of goods that was sold to you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, was fortunate. I had an incredible internship, um, at LinkedIn, uh, and I worked, worked part-time as a, as a second year MBA student. And when I, when I joined, I had a, a very clear picture, or when I graduated, a very clear picture of what the next couple of years were, were going to look like, or what I hoped they would look like. What came true? Uh, LinkedIn as a company was everything that was sold to me and everything that I thought it would be uh, incredible opportunity. Um, the, a confirmation that being in HR and focusing on people related things that came true. What, what changed, um, and this is kind of unique to me, but I think a lot of people probably have this of like the, um, the team that I joined a lot had changed uh, since I, since I signed my offer and the expectations of like what I thought I was going to be doing versus what I was actually going to be doing was drastically different. And I'm a, you know, relatively technical person, at least for, for a you know, HR person, given the you know, finance background, I know Excel really, really well. All the keyboard shortcuts are, are, are still there, maybe a little rusty, but the, the role I was in was, was much more technical and the skills required to be successful were much more so. And it became pretty clear um, within a couple of months that like it wasn't what I hoped it would be. And so that I think became challenging because it's like, here I am, this company is everything I hoped for, but this role that I'm in is probably not the best fit. And like, how do I, how do I navigate that? Like that's, that's not something that I was prepared for. And every other time where I want, when I wanted to change the, the job I was in, I changed companies. And here I was of like, okay, the job might not be the right fit, but the company I'm in is a, is a, is a great fit. And so I, I had to learn how to, how to navigate that. Yeah. And I think actually this is the story that you talked a little bit about in MBA Insider. So I guess would love for you to kind of continue maybe shedding some, some light there. So I know um, obviously you had a great internship experience because you worked there part-time in your second year. Um, LinkedIn at the time, maybe arguably still is, was a fast growing company. So things kind of shift, but um, yeah, it sounds like you came into a situation where things were different than what you thought. And now you were having to adapt and change. And so I guess what, what happened from that once you got to that moment where you were kind of like, Oh crap, like this is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Like, how did you, what did you think through like, what were your options? Like, how did you eventually kind of move forward to work through that? Yeah, to, to be totally candid for a month, maybe two months, I think I was just like depressed. Mm-hmm. And I think I just yeah. like, uh, 
and moped around, hopefully not at work, but outside of work, and was, you know, just, just really, really bummed. And then I, I had lunch with, uh, with a mentor of mine and was, you know, telling him about this situation. And he, he was really good in helping me understand the, the long-term way of viewing this and to, to making the most out of the experience and to trying to get, like, get out of this job the things that I want to. Because for me, it was like, okay, it's this super, super technical role, but I, I have a clear vision of what I want to do from an HR standpoint. And he helped me kind of reframe that of like, okay, what are the skills I can develop that are going to help me get to where I want to be? And like, what are the ways I can add value to the, to the team? And, and kind of shifted from this like scarcity uh, mindset to, to an abundance mindset. Um, and then also helped me understand, oh, this is something I had to learn is like being direct and talking to my manager about this, where, like I said, uh, a, a younger, a less mature version of Nathan would have probably just started like looking for jobs and, and, and look to exit. Um, but having difficult conversations of, Hey, this is, a great opportunity. I think my skills may be best suited in a, in a different role. Um, you know, when, when opportunities come up, let me know, I'm fully committed to, to, to this. Um, and so it was, it, it took, it took a while to, to make that happen. Um, and I had to be really patient, which I think is really difficult when you finish the MBA program and you get started, it's like, okay, I'm ready to be CEO in like two years. You know, like I've had all these awesome classes, I'm fired up and like, let's go conquer the world. And sometimes you're put in situations that are not ideal and you need to be patient and, and wait them out because things may not work as quickly as you would like them to be. But the best route is just, is just to sit tight and, and fortunately reach the point where, you know, a, an opportunity to transfer to a different team worked out. Uh, my manager was supportive um, as well as the, the new team. And it was like the perfect fit. And honestly, that role that I moved into would not have been available right when I finished the MBA program. And so in hindsight, I was able to connect the, the dots together. Um, but in the moment, it was it was it was it was pretty difficult. So being being patient and uh, learning to to navigate the inside of a of a company and, and things like that are, are critical. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great story and a lot of really great I think lessons in there. And I think in general, a lot of what you talked about, those are really hard things to learn in a in a textbook. Uh, sometimes the, the the only way you learn them is if you make a mistake or. I think partially in your case of getting good guidance from people who've maybe had made that, who previously made that mistake or have gone through that. But a couple of things I think you did that I think are really key. I think number one, as you mentioned before, you really have to be proactive about your own career development. And I think in this case you were in terms of being able to identify what it was that you wanted and how what you were doing wasn't really initially aligned there, but then being able to take the steps to kind of raise that and to do something about it. So that's, that's number one. And I think the other thing that you did is, um, you know, you can't expect people to read your minds, right? Like your manager is never going to be able like, if you can't, if you can, if you don't speak up, if you don't say, if you don't raise it and you have to do it in the right way, which you did, but if you, if you can't raise it and if you can't articulate it, people aren't always going to know, people are going to know. And so I think, I think that's another really good thing that you did that I think is really, really important. And then 
I would say it's actually, it's actually a, a good call out. And now that I'm in a people manager role, I think that's something that I didn't realize that you you can do. It's like yeah. your manager wants your manager wants you to be happy and to be like doing work that you're interested in and like figuring out the business need as well as the interest of the individual. And sometimes I I was have been guilty of this a ton of like my manager sucks or my manager doesn't understand and it's like no no no, that's on me like i haven't communicated yes what i what i want to get out of this or what i want to 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 do you just assume like your manager can read your mind so you're right right it's a a tough lesson to learn it is um yeah and i think the last thing which i think you benefited from but also it's also why you should be proactive about your career development is you had directionally a sense of where you wanted to go and I think, I think honestly, I think that is sometimes where I see people get tripped up the most is that they get into these situations where they know what they're doing isn't ideal, but they haven't had the time or the wherewithal to think about what good looks like for them or where directionally they want to be. So not only are they in a situation where they don't want to be right at the moment, it's hard for them to think of an alternative to where they would want to go. And so they're kind of caught in this like... um kind of like purgatory, if you will, because they know what they have is not it, but they don't know what it is. And so, um, but like in your case, like you, you had put in some of that thought and that intention behind, here's where I think I want to go. And maybe I don't know all of it, but like, here's, here's directionally where I think I, I would like to head. And, And so then being able to articulate that back to your manager, that is so much more of an easier conversation to have of like, all right, well, if that's where you want to head and here's what, like, here's the core set of your responsibilities let's think about how we can get you there. And unfortunately you had a good manager and you were able to kind of um, work through that. So I think, I think that's such a, I'm glad you wrote about, brought it up in the book. And I think it's just such a, a really good, a really good lesson to, um, to have. Um, so that happened kind of like right out, um, right out of business school. And so I'm curious, um, knowing what you know now, um, uh, uh, what is there, is there anything you wish you knew about, business school, um, be, be not now, now with the benefit of hindsight and being able to kind of like look back, like, um, is there anything like if you knew it, uh, if you, if you knew it ahead of time, like you would have had an even better experience or, um, yeah, like anything there. Yeah. Um, in terms of, in terms of what I, what I wish I would have known about business school. Um, let me, let me think about that one for a second. I, I think, like, like kind of to the, kind of to the point we talked about, I think when I, and I, I, I'd sought out this advice pretty early of like, what do I need to know about, about business school? And I'm, I'm one maybe to a fault that values the opinions of, of others. And so if I have a, a question or yeah. ideas, like I like to get a lot of input from others. And, and one of the good pieces of feedback that I got about business school was like, Yes, it is a good place to for self-discovery, but the more you can have that self-discovery up front, the more you can get out of it. And so mm-hmm. like yeah. within a couple of weeks, like I said, within a couple of weeks of starting the MBA program, I was literally interviewing for internships. Like if I don't know if I want to do finance or consulting or maybe it's HR or maybe it's, you know, start a business or whatnot. Like there's, there's a lot of like ping ponging and like back and forth, sorry, like pinballing, like back and forth that you'll do. 
and it's not necessarily bad. Um, but anyway, that's, I think that's something I wish I would have understood, uh, understood a little bit, a little bit more of. No, I think that's a really good point. And that is definitely something that I hear quite a bit talking with MBA students and alum. And, you know, I think you, the nice thing about business school is you can use the time to how you see fit, but whenever you're using the time towards something, that's an acknowledgement that you're not spending it on something else. And so I think that, um, like people should explore, but to your point, like if you can do it earlier on, or if you can put some constraints around it or healthy constraints around it, I think it just, it helps so you can have time to do other things. Yeah. And explore. I think another, another one that, that comes to mind too, is there, um, if, if you're someone who is, is attending business school, you're somebody who likely has a lot of opportunities. Sure. And that's one of the amazing things about business school is there's, there's so many different things that you can do. And it's, it's easy to want to chase all of them and or to figure, to feel like you need to have everything figured out on day one. And so I, I, I think that's where some self-discovery and staying focused on, okay, what do I want to do? Um, not like what do my classmates want to do or what's like the hot job that year, um, which are like, okay, but like, what do I want to do? And, and maintaining that focus because it's, it's, there's so many, there's so many amazing opportunities out there. It's almost like, sometimes it almost be better if there was like one or two opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at some point in like, you just have to make a decision. It's like, um, there's like a study done. Yeah. I know what you're going to say, but yes, you're absolutely yeah, yeah. right. You know, there's like a study done on like, uh, like options and like, yes. I think in like a grocery store and like the jams. And the jams. Like yep. Three options. You're more likely to actually choose something and buy it. But if you have like, 10, 15, the more options you get, um, it becomes harder to make a decision. And then there's paralysis that, set, that sets in. And, and yeah. that's, that's absolutely the, the case. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful problem to have. And if you sure. have that problem, um, you're in a great spot. Many people right now may not be, be there. Um, yeah. But like narrowing, narrowing that and understanding what you want to do uh, becomes important. Yeah. And I think that one element that sometimes plays into having all those options is looking up and looking around and looking at what other people are doing and then comparing yourself, right? Of like, Oh, well, everyone's going to be a consultant or everyone's going to be a banker. Everyone's going to be a product manager. And then wondering like, Oh, well, if everyone's doing it, should I like, should I be doing it too? And I'm, I, I, that thought comes up because I know in the book, you also mentioned like of just about that natural desire to, kind of compare yourself to others. And I'm just wondering, you know, couldn't, you know, why does this happen and, and how do you kind of work through that? Because um, you are not a, like, a, particularly in an MBA environment, I don't think you're the only person that kind of goes through that. I find that actually to be pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope I'm, I hope, actually, I hope I'm the only one because it's, 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 <laughs> it's attracted me a few times. I, I don't think that I am the, the only one. And so I, I, there was a lot of, excuse me, there's a lot of angst that I had during the MBA program and even after because you look at your classmates as a, as a benchmark of like how you're doing and you see yeah, some yeah. people get a great job and it's like, oh, I wish I could have, I wish I could have gotten that. Um, and, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's just time. Maybe it's, it's maturity. Um, maybe it's some, some, some self-exploration but like setting aside that 
as much as possible. I, I actually um, kicked off a, a YouTube channel a couple of days ago, and this was like the first video that I, I, I talked about, um, was avoiding the comparison trap um, because it's so it's so easy to get into and like what the antidote is to that. And so anyway, I don't know if you have, have show notes for, for this. Oh yeah, um, no, I'll throw it in there. Okay, cool. If you look at my name on, on YouTube, you'll, you'll find it. Um, and, and for me, it's like just really staying focused on who I am, what I want to do, what's in my control, and then like celebrating the, the successes of, of others and, and not, comparing, you know, not comparing myself to, to them. No, I, I love that advice. And I think it's so important and so critical and something that I think about a lot too, because I am also someone who naturally compares myself to others. So I think it's really, I think it's really timely. Um, so, you know, in addition to, you know, being in the NHR leader, um, you're also, you know, you're a career coach. Um, you've written a book on career development. And I'm curious, you know, what about, um, the business school experience or the things you learn in business school or things you do in business school is helpful to the longer term career development for MBA graduates. And, um, you know, what, you know, what can they take from that experience and, and, and bring with them for the remainder of their career? Yeah. Uh, I, I found throughout the MBA program and I, I went to BYU, but I would be shocked if this were not the case at most programs so much time for introspection, uh, so much time looking at your own leadership style, your individual values, identifying what's what's important, um, lots of projects where you just just understand yourself and how you work, how you work with others, almost to the point where I think on one project, I joke to my wife, like, I don't know if there's anything left inside to find. I think I've, I think I've just, if there was anything in there, I think I, I think I discovered it yeah. uh, at this point and I'm, I'm, I'm grasping here. Uh, but I, I found that to be really, really helpful because when you're, uh, when you're in a job and especially if you're in like a fast paced job, um, I work at, at DoorDash now, really, really fast paced. It's, it's easy to just like, keep moving and keep executing all the time and not necessarily having that time for reflection. And so that, that I think is one thing. And I'll actually go back and look at some of the projects that I, that I worked on and some of the things that I impact. So that, that was one. Um, learning how to deal with setbacks is an, is another, um, like there's, there's awesome opportunities that are out there. And for most people, like the number one opportunity they have, Maybe it, maybe it doesn't work out. And like learning to get kicked in the teeth a little bit, get rejected, um, I think is also a, a really, really big lesson. Um, and then also like navigating an organization and just like figuring out the the rules of, of, of operation, kind of like how I later had to do at, at LinkedIn um, and figuring out just how to work in a, a larger organization and like the rules of engagement. Um, I think, I think those are like a couple of, uh, a couple of those things, which were really helpful for me. No, I, I love all of those. And I know the feeling about just when you're working, just feeling like you're in execution mode and, and forgetting to, or not having time to really breathe and think and Mm -hmm. reflect on what you did and what you learned from it. Right. I think that 
I think that's so critical and so important. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're not having at least a few setbacks, you know, like you, you might need to be push it a little bit harder, right? Like it, I think that's just part of life. And the, the quicker you can learn from that and the quicker you can learn how to learn from those setbacks, I think the more enriching that can make your experience going forward. So I, I, I really, uh, I really like, I really like all of those. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of things going on in the world right now. Um, right. And COVID-19, um, just potential challenges in the economy and the job market, but also, I mean, even before this was happening, I think, you know, as an HR leader, I'm sure you can appreciate that this whole idea around the future of work. I mean, it was, we were already seeing a lot of changes and I think that we're certainly just going to need to see even more just with everything that's happening. I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, given your unique perspective in terms of, you know, particularly working in HR, you know, what do you think MBAs need to think about in terms of um, the future of work and what that means, uh, what that means for them and their, and their future careers, whether um, they're thinking about business school now and are going to graduate in a couple of years or for the ones that are, you know, entering the workforce uh, within the next couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're in a time right now where I think there's a lot of many, many people are afraid, but there's just so much uncertainty of what the next several months are going to look like. And I think we'll eventually get out of this like specific period that we're in. But I think even after that, we'll still be, uh, the workplace will be very, very dynamic. And I think like the, the world of work will only quicken in the, the change that we're, that we're seeing. Um, and so I, I, I think it actually goes back to, you know, the, the, the book of like key lessons that were learned of like the, the need to, to flex uh, and the need to, the need to adapt uh, I think I saw the stat that like um, 50% of the jobs that are going to be available in like 2030, um, like don't even exist yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that, that, ignore that stat, but like, but like in 10 years, 15 years from now, many of the jobs that are available, like don't exist today. And so right. the need to continually learn um, like learning agility, I think, is one of the, the key strengths or key areas of focus that I look for when interviewing people because, like, we need to flex and we need to adapt. And I've certainly seen that at, at DoorDash as we've gone from 250-ish employees when I joined about three and a half years ago to over 2,500 today. Like, the the world changes really, really quickly. And so, I think another thing to for MBAs to focus on with the future is like really being curious, like insanely curious and like just wanting to know how things work, how the world works uh, and continually focusing on, on, on learning and development and like business school gives you that, but post business school, there's, there's less structure in making that happen. And so I think that that's some that like commitment to lifelong learning uh, becomes essential. Yeah, no, I love both of those. And I'm going to uh, uh, piggyback off of something I know you've talked about. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, Nate, one of the things he's been doing is he's been doing these uh, uh, interviews with different thought leaders and, and people in his network. And one of the ones he did a couple of weeks ago is with uh, Kelly Palmer, uh, who works at a company called Degreed. And I know that Kelly talks about a lot 
uh, about about both of the things that you just mentioned, just in terms of learning agility about, and also just the ability to to be curious and to uh, use that curiosity to acquire new skills, so that um, when some an emergent opportunity does arrive you know how to jump on to that and to take advantage of that. Or when you're forced to because of whatever is like going on in the market. So I, I, I think both of those are, are really spot on. And maybe just as a follow-up to that, is there like a, if there could be one lesson that MBAs could maybe take away from, you know, their business school experience, um, what would be that, that lesson that you would, that you would like give to them or advise them on? Yeah, I I think I've I've found and I'm I fall into this as well. MBAs are generally very risk averse, actually. Mm-hmm. Like I know many go into uh entrepreneurship or that's something that's often talked about, but like many of the paths that that MBAs choose are like seem like they're they're fairly low risk. And so I I, I think what I what I what I have seen be really important is like the willingness to try new things, the willingness to experiment, the willingness to fail. Um, that that becomes essential. Like when I when I left LinkedIn to join DoorDash, a lot of people were like, "Why would you join this like this like crappy delivery company?" Not DoorDash <laughs> in particular, but like this this yeah, this, sure. this delivery company like. A couple of them have gone bankrupt and like right. it's like small startup and it, and it was a risk and in many ways it's paid off, but like there's a good chance that six months later, um, you know, I could have been back on the market looking for, looking for a job. And so I, but like I would have learned so much in that role anyway. And so I, I think that willingness to experiment um, and try new things, like we often think that the, the the safe path is safe where in many times like that safe route that you take is safe until you're 20 years into your career and you get laid off and you have no transferable skills right um, and so like better to fail uh early and and often and develop that like range of of skills than to to always play it safe yeah yeah no i i love that i love that lesson and i think it's super important and I also recognize that for many people, it's easy to say and much harder to act on and implement. But I think I'm that, as guilty as anyone. Yeah. No, but I'm, right, I'm talking sure. to myself when I no, totally. uh, when I when I say that. Most of this no. advice is me talking to myself. So. But that said, you've done. I mean, you've done it though, right? You know, like you did. Like the you you, you took the leap, and you're still standing. Um, I don't I don't pretend for any second that it was easy, but. Mm-hmm you you're here and you've learned a lot, probably got a few battle scars from it, but I, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like it, you know, so far it's, it's, it was a worthwhile decision. It, the word decision was worthwhile to make. And, and the thing is too, I, I think that I think a lot of times and not just MBAs, but people in particular, they think about careers as like those charts that just go up into the hockey stick charts that go up into the right. And it doesn't really work like that for most people. And it is a little bit more of a meandering path and, and that's okay. And I think that there is, even in the meanders or the different routes you take, there is a lot to be learned in the really great moments, but also sometimes the really crappy ones. And so, um, 
so I, I, I do think though, like I, uh, cause I have, and I, part of the reason why I say that is because I've given that lesson before to other people and they're like, yeah, well, that's easy for you to say. And I'm like, okay, fair, fair point. But, um, I do really think it, I do really think it to be true. Um, so maybe just to, to close out here, and this has been really great. Um, what advice do you have, you know, for MBA students, you know, not only for, you know, that, you know, in this case, like helping them get that job, first job out of college, but or, I'm sorry, not college, out of business school, but then also kind of thinking about how they can set themselves up for more longer term, you know, in their future, in the, you know, just knowing what's going on for the future, for the future of work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, w- I would say after having all, all of this said, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, don't obsess over, I think, I think another one too is like this obsession over finding your passion and there's so mm-hmm. much pressure to find um, at the MBA pro at the end of the MBA program, like the one thing you're going to do for, for, for good. Um, pick one thing and be exceptional at it. And so I, I, I love the uh, Cal Newport uh, yep. as an author wrote, written yep. several books Yep. Um, that I really like, but one of them is "Be so good they they can't ignore you." Oh, yep. Um, which is a line from from Steve Martin. Yep. Um, but in it, he talks about there's this like passion trap, and instead, like the predictor of success is like actually being good at what you do. Uh, and he said, actually, to quote him, like the strongest predictor of meaningful work is the number of years that you have on the job. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so I, I, I think that's, that's it is like pick something, go deep in it, learn as much as you can acquire that skill. Eventually, if you decide, Hey, this isn't for me, then you can go do anything else. And then you've built like this tool belt of really incredible skills. And many times while those skills, like for many people, like being good at finance may have no like real transfer to the HR world. Um, but like many of the lessons that I've learned in finance have helped me significantly yeah. as, as an HR leader. Um, yeah. and, and those, those dots can only be connected in, in, in hindsight. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll finish with, uh, I'll finish with that. That's great. Nathan, thank you so much for joining me today. So much great insights. And so a couple of things, number one, um, if you are interested in reading more about Nate's book, definitely go check out not um, not your parents' workplace. It's available on Amazon. But Nathan, you have a bunch of other uh, other great places to check you out. Um, you know where where else can people find you if they if they want to read more about you or about any of your ideas, your thought leadership, and your story? Yeah, I think every, everything's um, on my website, NathanTanner.net. Um, so you can check out check out everything there, uh, as well as the the YouTube channel is uh, is fairly new. Um, you can you can can find me there. Uh, please feel free to reach out and and say hello. Would love to love to connect. Great. Well, thank you, Nathan. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Al. This was fun. Hi, everyone. LD here, and thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. 
find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.